Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, making the show happen for us behind the screen. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Our production assistant, Becca, Ris uh, Becca no. Risley, is not a production assistant. She's down the hall she at graduated. Blackbird looking at my notes here. Becca and Sleepy Danny are here. They're not production assistants. They get it done for us with all the posts and all the editing. Uh, Sarah Triplett. And Regan McCrossan are our production assistants today. Also, flat out getting it done. Gentlemen, Giannis and the Bucks got it done last night. I failed you on the parlay, but we saw a great moment in the Deer District and inside the arena last night for the NBA superstar. It was a terrific scene. You know, here in Nashville, we saw a, a great outdoor watch party for the Preds Stanley Cup run, Stanley Cup final run, runner-up. I think that it didn't reach that level. No. I think the optics of what we saw in Broadway for that, and we've seen this now at a lot of places, and I think Nashville was one of the first cities to really start this and kick it off. The optics look really cool on Broadway with the buildings, but in terms of just mass of humanity, I, I haven't seen many things like that. It also, I was looking at the surface in the very back, is it sand? I know they're on the lake I, there in Milwaukee, yeah, I, I could not but it tell. looked like a huge sand pit. They were on, not deep sand, but it looked like they were standing on top of sand uh, in the Deer District. Someone said, told me it would be better if they named it the Deer Garden, like a beer garden oh, yeah. in Milwaukee. I'm like, that clever. does make a lot of sense. Um, I, I thought it was terrific to see. I will say, and I tweeted this, I could think of a lot of better ways to watch my team win a championship than ass to elbow with 65,000 people sweating with no AC watching a screen that's a mile away where you can barely see anything. But more power to them who showed up. I'm sure they had a good time. Nashville comparison-wise, uh, now that you mentioned the, the Preds thing, it felt more like the draft uh, to me in terms of the mass of humanity. Uh, so much good that comes out of this. First off, you see uh, a good guy, and we talked about the chance for stars to emerge out of this playoffs. Giannis, you know, for a couple years now had been – Canceled, canceled out of the playoffs for, you know, teams had found ways to, to make him a non-factor and everything, and he, he found ways to answer. And I, I thought it was just great for a great guy who's hard not to root for and appreciate his game that has grown, obviously, to, a, to new heights here, that he hit 17 of 19 free throws, which were his Achilles heel by a lot to carry that team to a win. I'm struck by how popular – the narrative is that this is a huge win for small markets. A lot of people taking it beyond the NBA, but let's stick with the NBA idea that this is a huge win for small markets. I agree that it's a huge win for small markets, but this is still the hard way. It's still the hard way. And I don't know that a lot of guys are going to look at Giannis and say, 
you know what, I'm going to choose his bath because, boy, that looked great. Because it's still easier to go or to, to recruit people, but you're not going to recruit people to Milwaukee as easily as you're going to recruit them to Miami or Los Angeles. Uh, you know, the easiest route is what guys in the modern NBA have consistently chosen. This is an exception to the rule. I don't know, guys, if people are going to all say, hey, I'm going to go do what he did uh, rather than do what everybody else has done and let him be the exception, though I think it makes his championship stand out more. Well, and I think people are always going to take the easy way out if given the option. A lot of people will just choose, hey, it would be a lot easier for me to join up with this guy and go try to win my ring that way. But at least Toronto and now Milwaukee – shows you there can be another path to doing this. You know, I'd also throw in the first Golden State title. That Mm -hmm. was pretty much a homegrown team until Kevin Durant joined it. But what I love about Giannis, I mean, take and I know that we're going to show a bunch of stats about just how remarkable this finals performance was. This is a guy that not only did it the right way or the old school way of being drafted by a team, showing loyalty to that team, having patience with that organization, that organization coming through for him with a Drew Holiday-like signing this offseason, waiting it out and winning a title. All of those things are great. He's someone who is anti-super team. It would be one thing to do that and then go on a podium and say, the way we did it is great, but I have the utmost respect for uh, LeBron James who joined super teams or what's going on in Brooklyn or these other places. And that's a great way to do it also. No, this guy said, I didn't want to do it that way. This is someone who doesn't work out with stars in the offseason, who declined Carmelo Anthony's invitation to go play pickup games in New York City with a bunch of NBA stars one offseason. He rubs other stars the wrong way from that respect. He's not mean to them. He's not disrespectful. He just blatantly does it a different way from the rest of the NBA superstar clique. And I think that's really refreshing just because it's so different in today's game. Well, and last night was uh, the, the scene was just happy, right? There was no controversy. There's no politics involved. Post-game interviews aren't in, you know, anything like LeBron would be doing. No, what's next? Uh, it was refreshing. And it stood out because it didn't include any of that, yep. uh, which the NBA should take notes on, quite frankly. Uh, that made it better. And Adam Silver, as he handed out that trophy, could look behind him and know that there was going to be no controversy other than who was conducting the interview, and it wasn't Rachel Nichols. Uh, with what went on during this entire series and everything that went on, quite frankly, once LeBron was out of the postseason. This is a huge win for the NBA for who they can now put on their mantle as the top player in the league. He is right up there with Durant, and he's extremely more likable. And he wins the finals by being consistent throughout and then just pure domination. Watching last night, in the middle of the game, I'm thinking, especially during that third quarter, I'm thinking, I am watching one of the greatest performances I've ever seen live. That's how good this was. And to put it in perspective, 50 points in a game six clincher at home for a team that hasn't won a final in 50 years. He puts up 50, 14 rebounds, 10 of those on the defensive end, five blocks. And he did it on, on both ends throughout the series and then caps it off where it, they were really slow out of the gate. Caps it off by accounting for, what, 47% of his team's production last night. A couple of the graphics that put everything into perspective for us. And the, the first one is from StatMuse. 
what we witnessed in NBA Finals history. He averaged 35 points per game, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, over a steal per game, uh, nearly 2 blocks per game, and he shot 61% from the floor. He's the first player to average 30, 10, and 5 and 60% shooting in a final series. And he did it, banged up. He came back from a hyperextended knee in the Eastern Conference Finals. We thought he might have been done when he did that. Yeah. Right? We it thought was the bad Bucks enough. were done at that point. Here he is at age 26 winning his first finals and, and just comparing him at age 26 to others that he will be compared to moving forward. He's the NBA champion, he's the MVP for the finals, and he's a two-time league MVP. Jordan, at the same age, had one MVP, no finals, no titles. Same for LeBron, but also a two-time MVP by age 26. Wilt Chamberlain, no finals, one MVP. Shaquille O'Neal, no titles and no MVPs of the league while he was there in Orlando. That, that is remarkable when you put in perspective the, the air that he now joins and what he accomplished last night in Milwaukee. The, the, those are remarkable stats. Uh, and, and the other ones you can say, well, those guys were college players. But then there's LeBron, who came out at 18 also, just like Giannis did, uh, and, and didn't even have a finals appearance at that point, uh, or championship. Really, really remarkable. And the way he went about it last night, and watching that game start to finish, even when he was defended well, he was unstoppable. I mean, yeah. there were shots that were you could do nothing better than what they were doing defensively on him. And he would rise up and hit a very difficult shot over them. And then every other time he would just get fouled. And oh, guess what? It was a night where he was hitting his free throws, which really changed the game. But he looked like an unstoppable force, and he was, last night where he could get the shot that he wanted. And even if you defended it, he was hitting the tough shot. And if not, you had to foul him. And I think the refs throughout this series really allow both teams to play physical. And I think you saw that lead to some sloppy offensive play last night. That was not a very well-played offensive game by either team. That was Giannis taking over and winning the game, especially for Phoenix. But what we saw was it's not a star emerging because he's been a star for a while, but a guy who just decided, I, I can't be stopped. You know, there was a mentality in that game that he was going to be the one to do it. He was going to be the one to take the team on his back. And that's exactly what he did. Jeff Van Gundy said this during the broadcast, and it stood out to me. And he was trying to find the right words to encapsulate what he meant by it without insulting other players. But there was a, a point where Giannis sprinted back, tried to block a shot on Devin Booker on a, on a breakaway layup, didn't get the block, and came back up and his back was hurting. And he was touching the back of his back. And he said, it's remarkable the effort this guy plays with. And he wasn't saying it to, to knock you know, LeBron James' effort or Kevin Durant's effort. Or, he said, it's just everything he does in these games. He never takes a playoff. He never is not getting back on defense. It, it's just a different level of intensity and effort with Giannis. That's something everyone can celebrate. And Hutton, you brought up the no politics involved. It was about the sport last night. It was about the ascension of the Bucks and Giannis and how much better it was. Go look at Twitter and go look at social media after that game. Even the anti-NBA guy, which there are a lot out there, they were silent. If they were tuned in, they liked what they saw. There was Even people who hate the NBA had nothing bad to say about that last night, which is a great thing for the league. And that's why the league needs to gravitate more to Giannis than even being considered right now uh, when they consider what he could be in the, the face and, and voice for the league. I think it would be great. Now, 
let's look at the scene. Uh, another refreshing moment. You know, if, if L.A. wins a title, we're used to seeing L.A. This is inside the arena uh, last night where, you know, if they're roped off, the ropes are gone. Yeah. And everyone is everyone's celebrating inside just like they're celebrating outside. I, I just thought that th this was a, a picture that Adam Schefter tweeted out. Um, I, I just gravitated to it because of the mass that went on the court to celebrate with their team last night inside uh, Fiserv. And it, it's hard not to think back to 2014 when Giannis sent out this tweet, second year in the league. I'll never leave the team in the city of Milwaukee till we build the team to championship level. Um, keep in mind, he signed his Supermax contract in December of last year. Had he decided not to sign the Supermax contract where he's paid $235 million over the next five years, it's great money, but he could have decided then, after the COVID year, after the bubble, that he didn't, and uh, going into this run, that he would be a free agent today. He would be an unrestricted free agent after their final game of the season. And instead, he's locked up long-term, and it set up the celebration last night discussing what they can be down the road instead of feeling like Toronto, where they won with Kawhi, and you thought Kawhi was out the door yeah, as soon as they, ho they hoisted the trophy. It's crazy to me that there's not a uh, – you can't build someone into entitlement when it's a guy like Giannis because – you look at his background, growing up on the streets of Athens, the situation he was in, and you give a guy millions of dollars, and everyone knows that you're one of the best at your profession in the world. Even when you, did, you grew up with no entitlement at all in his circumstances, you think that would give you a sense of entitlement. And I just don't see any of that with him. I mean, that level of loyalty to an organization, I can't think of many instances in today's sports. And I'm, I'm not saying that everyone should have that sense of loyalty to pro teams that, that employ them, right? But isn't that amazing that everything that he's accomplished already, all the money he's been paid, all the fame, all the adulation, that he hasn't built in a sense of entitlement that you would see with almost any other pro athlete? R. Franklin in the YouTube chat said, he's close to as anti-LeBron as a person can get. I don't think LeBron's a bad person. I mean, LeBron grew up in horrible circumstances also, but LeBron, over years and years of being King James and the Chosen One, has become entitled. And that's a natural progression when you become LeBron James. Giannis, to me, doesn't seem like he's anywhere close Not to being entitled about anything. And he had that great thing about also said, the other day. Well, he also said that this is the anti-NBA guy's NBA guy. <laughs> that Giannis has now emerged as even the sports fan that hates the NBA loves Giannis and will support and root on the Bucks and Giannis. So what does this do, guys, in terms of making him the face of the league? Can one championship for a super likable guy in a league, Hutton, that we've talked about needing villains, um, can one championship for a super likable guy, how much can it do to turn well, him into the face of the league? Well, they don't need villains. They, they're full of them. Right. They need heroes. That, but and that needs the hero-villain dynamic. How much does this make him the face of the league going forward? Well, this is the hero that the NBA needs right now. And you're right, Hutton, they, we've talked about the need for hero. There's a need for villains, I think, in, in baseball, for instance, mm -hmm. at times. There's too many villains in the NBA right now. There's a, there's a need for that hero. Giannis is that. I think the bigger question is, Paul, not just face of the NBA, can Giannis become a guy who just moves the needle across the board? So it becomes must-watch television because you have to watch Giannis and the Bucks 
in their playoff series, when they're the number one or number two seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs next year, is that on a night in April, we have to watch that first-round series because Giannis is playing in it. We have to see what he's going to do. That's what's really going to elevate the NBA because someone has to step into that spot that LeBron James will vacate very soon. Because of age, because of his situation, everything else, they need someone to emerge in that spot. Will Giannis become that guy? He's candidate number one. I don't know. Well, so uh, another thought I had last night. Can they turn Milwaukee into the Kansas City Chiefs as a league? Or do the, does the Milwaukee Bucks, are they the Anaheim Angels, the California Angels? Well, they're already way ahead of California Angels because they've won a championship. Well, they won a title, but they have the face of the league on their team. Yeah. Otani doesn't get nearly the pub. Uh, or Trout. That Giannis yeah. is about to receive. Well, they're way ahead of the Angels already and in a league that seemingly is set up to be better. Than be- Football's the best, right? You can be the Packers and you, and you can be uh, sure. a marquee team. Baseball's the worst on the example that you're setting. I think NBA is, Which is, is weird in the middle. For the, for the market that the Angels are, though, is why I'm comparing this, because they get yeah, really no prominence. Team. And you're right, they don't win. But even in a down year, if, if Giannis gets hurt for half the year and they, they end up as the seventh seed in the postseason, are they going to get the coverage? That the Chiefs would get. Well, and I know it's a different like, country. Again, like it's the approach. I, I, I know not. exactly They're what you're not. saying, but you know they were never going to pump Toronto after they beat Golden State to win it, right? Now that's a different country. I think of like the the Houston Astros, you know, winning a World Series, or Tampa Bay, or Tampa Bay, or the Detroit Tigers when they won back in 2005 or, or whenever. Those teams aren't going to be pumped to a superstar level by Major League Baseball, and part of that's the nature of the sport. But you'd be compared a story to in the time. same sport. Toronto is never going to be pumped. Mm-hmm. by the NBA is that team. The true. NBA has a something that Paul hates with the NBA in the early 2000s, post-Michael Jordan. They have the best self-promotion. I don't want to say best because they've not been doing a good job of self-promoting lately. They have the most powerful self-promotion arm within the sport of how they can elevate superstars yeah. and elevate yep. certain teams. So it would be wise to try to turn Milwaukee into middle America's team. You're never going to be that team on the coast. It's always going to be Lakers in the West Coast. It's going to be pick one of those major Knicks, East Coast Sixers, cities. Celtics. Sixers, Celtics, Knicks, Brooklyn, Brooklyn now. now. Whoever those teams are on the East Coast. But as R. Franklin in our YouTube chat said, can Giannis and the Bucks become the anti-NBA guys, NBA guy and team? I think that's a big question that I would have. Because I'm gravitating towards, just like Hutton, you and I gravitated towards the Warriors in the start of their run because they were fun and, and likable and, and new. I'm gravitating towards the Bucks. They're not new because they've been really good for a number of years. But I'm gravitating toward Giannis because of the story, because of his attitude, and because of that team. And, yes. and that's what needs to happen for the NBA to take a positive step forward. Here's one thing that caught me last night. Um, I think it was 2012, the season that started in 2012 or 2013, the Bucks won 15 games. They just won 16 games in the playoffs. That's and I think the year you're talking about is the year leading up to them drafting Giannis because he was 2013 in that draft. I mean, that's, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's crazy. And I love um, a, a, a Milwaukee story, right? We saw this in Nashville. I'm going to compare it again to the Preds run. Guys become folk heroes, role players, Colton Sissons, 
and, and his hat trick. Mm-hmm. You become, you get chance in your name, and you're a role player. Suddenly you become intertwined with a city. Bobby Portis is that guy in Milwaukee. The fact that Bobby Portis, a role player who was barely drafted, who I think had to spend some time in the G League out of Arkansas, gets there and he shot 14 threes his entire college career at Arkansas. And he becomes basically a, an effort guy and three-point specialist when he has a mismatch and changes his game in Milwaukee and is a fan favorite. I love stories like that. They're chanting Bobby after the game. They're interviewing Drew Holiday and chanting for Bobby Portis, this role player for Milwaukee, that he said, I, I feel like my work ethic is this city's work ethic. That's why they gravitate towards me, and I love things the like that. The bond with the city and right. the player. Bobby but, Portis is never going to be a star. No. He's not going to go anywhere else and do much. But 30 years from now, people in Wisconsin are going to remember Bobby Portis. Milwaukee's got a uh, a little bit of mystique to me. I don't know if you guys have cities like this. I've never been to Milwaukee. And I've been to, I think, every major American sports city there is. I haven't been to Portland. Portland's not a major American sports city. But the two cities I'd like to be to in America that I haven't been to are Portland and Milwaukee. I'd love to go see the Brewers. Uh, but because the Packers play in Green Bay, I've never had cause to fly through Milwaukee even or, or do anything there. So I have a little intrigue, a little Milwaukee intrigue because I don't know it at all. So it's a little mysterious place on the American sporting landscape to me. You know it through Laverne and Shirley? <laughs> yeah. That's your knowledge of uh, Milwaukee, like a lot of people. Sure so, Chad, you, you bet Milwaukee to win the oh, Larry yeah, O'Brien the Trophy. Uh, you did this a few months ago, mm-hmm. and they, you cashed out last night. How deep I, in January I, I made the bet. Okay. I, right after the Max, Super Max contract was signed by Giannis. I, I want to bring up, though, 2022. Okay. Because FanDuel has the odds out. I'm curious oh, nice. where you would take Milwaukee. They are currently the third favorite, the favorite to win the championship next year, the Nets, followed by the Lakers, and then the Bucks. Clippers are there as well. Suns are back in the mix in Golden State. But there's the Bucks out of the Eastern Conference dominating the odds. Just to give a little tease for primary complaint coming up later, I love FanDuel, but I hate and will complain about how FanDuel laid out these odds. Oh. You need to go vertical. I know. I, I hate when they I go across, 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 and I'm reading left to right. I when you're looking at numbers thing. or rankings, it's vertical Columns. every time. Because I saw that and I said, you're telling me we're going to go from plus 195 to, to plus, plus 1,200? Oh, never mind. Yeah. It's the Lakers and the Bucks going left to right. So, FanDuel, let's straighten that out and make it vertical. Literally that, straighten it. I will bet on the Bucks again, Hutton. I will make that bet today. Plus 850 and go back to back. Because I think that number is only going to go better odds for the Bucks. Let's, the let's Bucks talk about the fifth number. Go, go ahead. You Look go at the first. Hawks. I mean, they're plus 3,500. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a good long shot bet. Let's talk about the fifth number there. It's actually uh, tied for fourth, the Suns. That's right. Because there was some talk last night. You know, is that as close as Chris Paul's going to get? Hut, you and I exchanged the text. Chad, I didn't give it to you on purpose uh, like we do sometimes so we could, could see more of a reaction. Chris Paul's teams, now uh, I, let's make it clear, I'm talking Chris Paul's teams. Not Chris Paul, it's not an individual sport. Blew a 2 nothing lead versus the Spurs in 2008. 
a 2-0 lead versus the Grizzlies in 2013, a 3-1 lead versus the Rockets in 2015, a 2-0 lead versus the Blazers in 2016 when he had a broken hand, a 3-2 lead versus the Warriors in 2018 when he had a hamstring, and now a 2-0 lead versus the Bucks. He's the first player ever to be part of a team that blow to blow four 2-0 leads in best of seven series. I think that's harsh on Chris Paul acting as though he's the one blowing these leads. Uh, the reason they lost this series is Devin Booker had two terrible yeah, games. Devin Booker was uh, uh, Devin Booker didn't show up in game three, and he didn't show up last night. Dude, I was at the I concert think it's a last night. very painful coincidence, Paul. Very painful I think it's, coincidence. It's, those numbers do tell a story. I don't think it tells a complete he's story. He's on a lot Chris of teams that, that don't get it it's done. Just, it's just, and yes. again, we're talking about different franchises, different yep. stars around them throughout. I think it's just a very painful and unfortunate coincidence for a guy who's a Hall of Famer. Dude, I didn't have my reading glasses with me last night at the concert. I went to check on our par. I was checking the score and yes. checking our parlay. And I'm looking at Booker scoring in the second quarter. I think he had two points a couple minutes into the second quarter. I'm like, holy hell, we got no chance. It was extremely no low scoring, happens, extremely low scoring game uh, first quarter overall. Uh, and, and then Giannis just took over, scored 20 points in that third quarter. And uh, that they end up winning easily down the stretch where you knew the Suns just didn't have it. And there were times during the game where the Bucks look a, looked a little shell-shocked in that first half. They, it was tied going into halftime, but I, I was still feeling great about the parlay situation. I thought Booker would be the one second to come half. out He's and heat up. He's a big second up. half guy. And he, he did not. He finished with, with, what, 15 or 19 points. Chris Paul added 26 um, and uh, Booker played 46 minutes. He had 19 points, five assists. Uh, that's all he added. Just uh, back there, to Paul for a second. It was not there. Just yeah. back to Paul for a second, and, and not pinning all of this on him by any means. Yeah. That may be the closest he gets. No, I think it, I The think Western it Conference well, is going to get better. It gets healthier. The Lakers are back. And the Suns were exposed. That's not quite as good as they looked. Well, we were all high on them, but the tipping Milwaukee point, was a lot better than that. The tipping point could be Dame Lillard. Where does he end up? Yeah, is he Western Conference or Eastern does, Conference? Does, does this is he the go super to, team that Giannis right. was talking about right. that he could have the option to do also, and he's not going to do it. That's what Dame Lillard may do. With a team, and you're right, it could shift the whole power dynamic in whatever conference he goes to. Right. But a lot of teams getting healthier in the West, too. I'm not holding, they I'm are. not begrudging the Suns. I don't like this thing where people say, oh, look at the teams they beat. We're missing this guy and that guy. Look, they beat who was in front of them. I never As begrudge the a team for beating who's in front of them. But next year, the teams that are in front of them are going to look and feel different. You know, this was the year that things lined up for them to go do it, and they came yeah. up short. Kyrie Irving's probably going to be healthy next year. You know, they, they win in seven in overtime Kawhi. against against Brooklyn. And LeBron, LeBron's Brooklyn's getting, the more talented team than right. Milwaukee. LeBron's so getting more rest than, than he ever has. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard's going to be healthy. It's great that at least we saw it happen once. If it yeah. never happens again, it shows the possibility of something like this happening in the NBA. Another thing that is possible in the NBA that I want to applaud right now, and this is going to shock you guys, NBA officiating last night, two calls – gave me hope for the future of the NBA if they actually officiate this way throughout the season. And Jacob Swanson mentioned that he was out on the NBA years ago because it was so lackadaisical. Guys were traveling too much. It was just something about the sport that was unappealing to the eye. They called a travel last night on Giannis with no one around him who flippantly picked up the ball as it's rolled to him. They're trying to conserve time and takes two and a half steps. Didn't even have to. No one's in front of him before putting a dribble down, and they called him for traveling. Great call, NBA officials. I loved it. The shock on Giannis's face 
tells you everything you need to know about how these guys get away with traveling in the NBA. That you they guys actually called steps? it. And I love that they called it because it was dumb of Giannis. There was no need to not put a dribble down. But he's so accustomed to doing that and getting away with it, he thought he could there. The other one was the technical on Bobby Portis. It's a terrible call. He, he didn't commit a foul. But his reaction but more to that. But when you sprint to the other end and have this theatrical response, that is a technical, and the ref is looking at him, and he kept carrying on and kept doing it, and they teed him up. And I love that because you have to – that's what people complain about the NBA. It, it's, a, it's a big act the whole time. You can't flail your arms and run to the crowd and yell at the ref on every single call. And I applaud whatever NBA official made that technical foul call on him. And I applaud Chris Middleton for getting up in Bobby Portis's face. Jeff Van Gundy pointed that out. This is great of Middleton. He is bagging him down and he is dressing him down on the court and telling him what he did wrong and not letting him make an excuse now, about luckily it. Luckily, they missed on that the one free throw. It didn't count a point, but yeah. you didn't know at the time with Middleton's reaction. And in that game, as tight as it was where one or two points at the line were going to swing it. And by the way, that, that Giannis had a big night with, with 50. He was great from the free throw line last night. And 19. Yeah, only missed two, and that, that's where they've knocked him in the past. He was great there. Yeah, he um, said so, too. That was cathartic for him to, to finish with that. And good for him. Yeah. Um, Chad, we have an OutKick 360 night out event with oh, yes, some VIPs and season ticket holders coming yeah, up. Yeah, we have a graphic to show you right now also. We love these events. It's been too long. We had something around the NCAA tournament. A lot of people showed up. It was a great time. We want to do this again. It's short notice, but uh, Our next night out Thursday. is lights out on this graphic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the night out is very <laughs> We want to make it there. we want to make it difficult for you to attend and also yeah. to see what exactly yeah. is no, going on. No, you have to break the code. Crack right, the code. Yeah, if you could see that, it's uh, I'll I'll spell it Put up up for the you. Colorblind again, not eligible. At least the times are Colorblind not eligible. Jacob, leave it up there, please. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Outkick 360, night out is what that sign yeah. says if you're watching. That is a really night out. Squint. It's not a day out. It's not night owl. We will be night owls that night possibly, but it is a night out. That's going to be 6 to 8 p.m. next Thursday, Downtown Sporting Club. They have a great rooftop The Downtown Sporting strong. Club. We will gather as one on the roof. If you want to be a part of this, you can email us, 360 at outkick.com. This is a private event. We will have some freebies for those that attend with us on our guest list. So let us know if you want in. You can mention us on Twitter. You can message us on Twitter uh, at Outkick360. Or again, just email us, 360 at Outkick.com. We will be taking 10 people with us. There will be some free stuff involved. We can tell you that. And beyond all that, we're going to have a great time in our night out that no let's, one can see on Let's rework that a little bit, maybe with some outline. <laughs> Go ahead. You can, you can speak. <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't think. I mean, all your graphics have been spectacular. It was my graphic. It looks okay. fine on like a phone or a computer. Looks good. Yeah, it looks oh, good on Instagram. I will say, just on the screen, it pops differently. I don't know why it looks good. Interesting. I changed it. Yeah. So, are you trying to blame Jacob? Is that what you're doing? No. He's blaming. Yeah. We're blaming you Jacob's TV philosophy. guys putting it on big screens. It's Jacob's fault. Yeah, Jacob can handle it. Uh, he, he will take that blame. and Yeah, that's my fault, guys. Sorry He's about that. He's used to the abuse. <laughs> Jacob's used to the abuse. He's fine. Uh, you know what we're going to be wearing uh, that night for the 360 I event? I have a feeling. Mac We've got a plan. Weldon. Mac We've got a Weldon. Plan. You can upgrade your summer style with Mac Weldon. Uh, they are reinventing men's basics. Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon, so much more than just underwear. Uh, their full collection includes T-shirts, polos, button-ups, Shorts, pants, swims, and much more. 
with the light and breathable fabric technology, Mack Weldon keeps you cool and comfortable all summer. From work to working out, happy hour to playing with your kids, Mack Weldon has men's essentials for whatever your day includes. I'm wearing today the dry knit polo, but Chad, there are plenty of options at MacWeldon.com. Hutton, it's swimsuit season, and they've got a great line of trunk and board short options. Uh, quick to dry, four-way stretch fabric as well. And when you're not in the pool, Mack Weldon's new Maverick Tech Chino Short and Radius Short are the perfect additions to your summer wardrobe. They'll keep you comfortable so you can confidently power through your most active days. And Mack Weldon, they have a free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life. For life. that. Once you reach level two by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. Paul, you can't beat that, and you can't beat this offer that we're giving our viewers and listeners right now. Yeah, this is the Vesper Polo. I got a couple of these. Very light, very comfortable. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash OutKick360. Enter the promo code OutKick360. That's MacWeldon.com slash OutKick360. Promo code OutKick360. For 20% off, Mac Weldon, reinventing men's basics. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network crew is all here today. We have primary complaint coming up in about 10 minutes, then the Tennessee Power Hour, which will include more discussion on the Vols and SEC Media Days, but also other teams hitting uh, the SEC Media Days Radio Row today, including the Vanderbilt Commodores and head coach Clark Lee. He is there with Mike Leach. He is there with Nick Saban. There's a lot of news coming out of Birmingham and Hoover today. We'll hit that in the Tennessee Power Hour. Uh, News from ESPN, there's there's quite a bit of it internally. Maria Taylor's officially out. Uh, Her and uh, ESPN both released joint statements um, that uh, her contract is complete she had planned on working Game 7 if there was a Game 7, even though her contract expired. The fact that it ended last night, that's why the news is, uh, the, the press room is releasing the quotes today. And Maria Taylor just thinks Jimmy Pitaro, uh, teammates and friends at SEC Network, College Game Day, ESPN, men's and women's college basketball, on and on, uh, does not mention specifically in her, in her quote where she's headed. The, just the idea is she's signing a contract with NBC. Uh, where she will eventually host uh, Football Night in America, among other things and other roles that they are going to create for her she may moving be going forward. Straight to Japan. Really? Is that what they're I, saying? I I think I read that. Uh, if not these Olympics, she'll be involved in Olympics to come. But I think they may find something for her now. Or maybe she links up with Olympic coverage from from here and some. If she is getting paid anywhere capacity. close to the amount that she was asking from ESPN from NBC. You better believe if I'm NBC, I'm flying around to Japan and getting her to work right away. (laughs) In one of my premier every two-year big events. Though that stuff's long planned out, so it's not like they don't have somebody in every single role. If I get a talent that I deem worthy of anywhere close to what she was asking, she is on. I am putting someone else on the side and putting her in if you're paying paying that type of contract. She'll be excellent there. Uh, and, and she's excellent. It's a very rare that somebody has that kind of opportunity because there aren't a lot of good places to go to top what she's had. So she'll do well. Now the big question is what do they do with her job, uh, her jobs at ESPN? And one of those jobs is this college football job, though they had to have, be, they had to have been planning contingency for that, knowing that her deal 
was running out, she probably wasn't going to be back. I just think about the lack of, uh, you know, the opportunities at NBC are pretty few and far between yeah. for huge events. Um, if they had a big college football league contract, it'd be different, but they just have Notre Dame. Everybody ties into Notre Dame. Everybody that goes there touches because Notre Dame. Because they have to, because right. that's their Saturday in the fall product is just Notre Dame. So, and the you know, I think Derby. of even a, a Fox, for instance. You know, they have all these college football contracts. They have college football pregame shows. They have a lot of different avenues. It's close to NBC in terms of the big Fox and FS1, but there's still a lot more possibilities to work. So that's why I bring up the point about the Olympics. If you're paying that money for Maria Taylor, you're putting her to work immediately on your premier product, one of your premier products, because there's not a ton at NBC. Of oh. course, she'll be a part of Sunday Night Football, which is huge, the biggest television show of the year. But outside of that, you're, you're going to have to make her a prime piece of everything you do. And I think it's still hard to wedge her into Sunday Night Football as it stands right now. In a year, with Michaels presumably gone, Tariko presumably doing play-by-play, -play, she takes Tariko's spot, right? And everybody bumps up one. But this year, what does she do, Hutt? They can find roles for yeah, her. I mean, they can sit her to a game and big. have her report live on, on Football Night in America. I mean, they can get creative. But she's Liam McHugh. Uh, yeah, but uh, Liam McHugh is hosting coverage live from, from Football Night in America. I, I'm, I'm saying, like, send her to the top 330 game and then have her join you live with interviews from the locker room from, you know, San Francisco yeah. where the but 49ers that's, just finished. That's a role, but it's not big. Well, it's a role where you can display her talents greatly and you, you maximize your NFL coverage by bringing live coverage from another game Yeah, uh, in, in the marquee highlight spot where they are the highlight show for an hour. I just, in terms of options that she would have had, uh, ESPN would be the number one spot because of all the live sporting products that they have year-round. And also, <coughs> I think of Maria Taylor. I don't know if you guys are this way. I think of college football. Where I was first exposed to Maria Taylor is her doing a good job on sidelines, with the Kirk Herbstreet, Chris Fowler broadcast, College Game Day, her on-site doing fun segments with the group on College Game Day. College football I playoff. I think of Nick Saban barking back at her mm -hmm. at halftime with that interview. Um, when you remove that big a part of your profile completely, which I'm sure she's going to do something with Notre Dame, Yeah, that's a pretty sizable chunk of how America knows Maria Taylor that you're taking away by signing with ESPN. Again, if, if it's just straight dollars and cents for you, well, I'm going to take the highest offer. It's fine if you approach it that way. I just don't know that NBC is the place that can capital that she can capitalize on her talent the best and have a diversified enough portfolio simply because of the lack of sporting properties at NBC. Well, I think that they're going to expand her role on news programs at NBC. I think you're going to see her on the Today Show or on any of those other talk shows in the morning. I, I, I could totally see her being one of the panelists for something like that as well within this contract, which has been brought up some. Um, and, and look, I thought the, the, the coverage pre and post, all fine uh, last night. I was thinking to myself, if, is Rachel Nichols watching the postgame coverage? Oh, how much? Because Malika Andrews had a solid, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say 25, 30 minutes of live coverage from the court. I mean, they interviewed every starter uh, the owner, the head coach, uh, went back to more players. Uh, guys just kept coming up to the microphone, and she, you know, she handled the interviews well. But I'm thinking, what does Rachel Nichols do? I also thought, where's Doris Burke? 
And I looked her up, and she's, she's doing, doing the, the she's doing the radio play-by-play. Where last year the NBA and, and ESPN touted her as being the first female color commentary for TV on ABC, and now this year she's doing radio coverage. I, I thought I think Doris Burke is excellent in that interview format, similar to what Malika Andrews post-game. was doing. Yeah. Well, post game, and even you know they would send her over to interview Greg Popovich, mm-hmm. and it's always kind of the funny running joke where he would give her one and two word responses, but. I thought she was great in that role. I thought Malika Andrews handled a very chaotic situation pretty well. There's celebrations going on. You know, guys are talking to the person you're trying to interview. At one point, she addressed Drew Holiday because Bobby Portis came over and joined when they were chaining Bobby, and Drew Holiday was kind of trying to give the mic to Bobby. Yeah. And she said, question for Drew, and then went right to him, and he answered. I thought that was handled well by her. I thought she did a good job. She's a riser for sure. Paul, you had some that Adam Schefter yeah, so tweeted out also. About Schefter, this, right? uh, oh, he tweeted no, well, out Schefter about Malika. Schefter tweeted the, the compliment to Malika Andrews that, that started me on this, that it's just odd to me to be – it's kind of like complimenting landing the plane. Yeah, she's 26 and she did a good job, but are we now going to tweet every time somebody does a good job? I mean, to me, it's a pat on the head. It's almost condescending to the kid. Like, oh, look at the 26-year-old did a really good job. I'd be kind of – if I'm Malika Andrews, uh, that, that puts me in a weird spot. Well, she did. Like. Uh, and it's also anti-Rachel Nichols. And, uh, compliments aren't bad. Um, I, I, I looked at it more as like a you handle the situation well, given the fact that you were given the NBA Finals sideline gig two days before it tipped off. Uh, and a, a lot of controversy surrounding everything involved. It, it, again, th- that is the marquee spot. Dan Patrick would talk about this being uh, on the sidelines and then doing the trophy presentation for the Lombardi walkout at the Super Bowl. Like, he said he was more nervous and was prepared more about what could happen with post-game interview talk than anything because you don't know what's going to happen in real time. And uh, she, she handled things well. Uh, I don't have a problem with Schefter tweeting it out, but I, I don't I, – if it's an obligation tweet, that, that's where I'm thinking it's not necessary. I didn't take it as an obligation tweet. I wondered. For Malika Andrews. She did do a good job. I'm not uh, disputing that. I no don't know no that. obligation by ESPN personalities to contradict Adam Schefter, who's the best in the business at what he does. And a lot of people are going the other side of the, the Schefter report with Aaron Rodgers' contract that he turned down. No one's disputing that he turned down the offer. They're disputing when Schefter knew about it and whether or not it's really news. new news to add to the Packers' And, and, and Roger's saga a week before training camp. Tony Kornheiser uh, was, was on there saying that he was, he was questioning Schefter's sources, sources openly, which is saying real it was the Green Bay Packers, because they wanted it out there to, with their fan base that, that it's Aaron Rodgers turning down the opportunity to play and be the highest paid player. And, and that's your guy who's turning down to play for your team when we're going to make him the highest paid player in the NFL. Kornheiser put that out there. I don't necessarily disagree with him. But it's interesting that they're going against part of Schefter's report, and Schefter is the very best in the business when it comes to reporting accurate and informative news on that league. And that's really not done like uh, by colleagues at the same company speculating on somebody no. else's sources. And Sarah if Spain. Anything, Sarah Spain, real quick though, if anything, they have him on and then ask him questions regarding his report. Right. They don't speculate without him present. And Sarah Spain said, this, this is, there's nothing here. We knew that he had a new contract offer two months ago, which she's right, because I saw Schefter on. I recorded SVP last night. I was at the concert. 
came home, watched all the NBA highlights, and saw Schefter on to discuss this. And Schefter, in it, with his very top defensive face and tone, said, we knew there was a contract offer. We didn't know the... Uh, you know, make him the highest paid. Did not know the $45 million offer. So he was saying, you know, I was repeating a piece of it, but adding to it, which I would say he didn't make entirely clear in his report. Uh, He didn't say adding to the contract offer we knew about here are details. He made it sound like it was all new, which wasn't entirely made clear by her either. It's, it's all it's all been a little weird, the timing all of, of the, the reports from Schefter and on Rodgers. You know, it came out right before the day of the NFL draft when he, he, he admitted he had that story uh, earlier. Uh, and then it, it, this comes out right before training camp, th- this news, where, it, look, if he gets the numbers uh, at a certain time frame and he puts them out there, it's just it's based on his sources. And I'm not disputing his sources one bit. No. Uh, the guy, again, as well-sourced as it gets. Um, but the timing of it is a little odd. Like, I raise an eyebrow to the why now part of this. But ESPN should be praising Adam Schefter. They are, they're going to be wall-to-wall with all of these reports about Rodgers, just like they were in the draft. Uh, they, they now have content to bridge Olympic coverage, which they don't have the rights to and to get knee-deep and waist-deep into NFL training camps as they go through uh, the the car wash of reporters uh, day in and day out. They'll be at Green Bay every day. ESPN should be praising Adam Schefter because he's the best in the business at what he does, and they've got a great asset in Adam Schefter. And I guarantee you ESPN is praising Adam Schefter for this reporting. His bosses at ESPN love it. ESPN also employs one of our buddies, Jason Fitz, to host a show responding to what Stephen A. Smith says as an opinion. ESPN loves this. None of these people are doing this without ESPN's permission. Tony oh, Kornheiser, Kornheiser is. Maybe Kornheiser, but they're not going after an ESPN employee unless ESPN is saying it's okay because it creates more well, content for them. And I don't think even if Adam Schefter is being defensive, I don't think ultimately he really cares because he knows his report I, is true. I think he and cares. He, and he doesn't. But it's, I, there's I, a different I, approach to Schefter than I Stephen think, A. Smith. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith is built around opinion and controversy. And he raises, Schefter just sits down and gives you the news. I don't think that people at ESPN, and Paul can speak to this more because he was an employee at ESPN. I don't think they're doing things unless they get approval. And if they do something and don't get approval, they're get, getting chopped down pretty quickly. Wow. So if all of this stops today... Maybe they did it without approval, and then someone said, hey, stop going after our top NFL reporter with any criticism. And then if it ends, maybe I'll uh, agree with you guys and say they did it. I I feel like some of this is, it's okay if that's your opinion. Talk about it. This will just create more content for our family of networks. Well, Kornheiser's like Schefter in that he's bigger than the company and can do what he wants. Sarah Spain isn't, but I think she thinks she is. Um, and, and can do what she wants and also has a certain... Sarah Spain can get away with more, with more than status. Tony Kornheiser. Yeah, has a certain protected status. Um, Kornheiser's, Kornheiser's been, been in suspended. trouble before. Yeah. yeah. So I think either of them uh, feel like they can say whatever they want, and I don't think they're vetting this stuff before they say it. I think they're saying it in and a I natural I'm not, conversation. I'm not against it. It's just it's noticeable because it's not often... That's not often happening with Schefter's reports. Well, when you're as big as ESPN is... You're bound to have this when you have as many employees and a lot of opinionists 
reflecting on the news of the day. And because these Schefter reports, like you say, aren't all as straightforward as a lot of his stuff is, most of his stuff is, the Roger story's been a little weird. The timing of some of this stuff's been a little weird. Yep. The phrasing of some stuff has been a little weird. Like I said, he didn't say, adding to the news from two months ago about a contract offer, here are some details. He made it sound like it was new. And so Sarah Spain saying, well, this isn't all new, which is true. So she's not wrong. Well, neither is Schefter, though. Well, Schefter's not wrong in the in in the new part. I mean, but the it, highest that, paid player part of it is right. the news. So he didn't contextualize it enough, which is all part of the tweeting world, right? What we tend sure. not to put enough meat on the on the bone. Well, my primary complaint is going to get into this a little bit, but I love it. I love that ESPN employees are willing to go after their own. I think it adds. Yeah. Adds sure. interest and oh, entertainment so to it all. Regardless if I agree or disagree with Tony Kornheiser or Sarah Spain or anyone about Adam Schefter, I like that at least it shows a willingness to, like you said, Paul, the company is so big, you're going to have to talk about someone at the company at some point. You can't, can't be so self-glorifying at all times. I, I like some criticism back and there's forth. There's also it's, not it, a ton of venom to any it's, of this. But it's, no. it's just an interesting... Uh, I, I noticed it because... Schefter's been there for a decade now. More than that. Uh, when he left NFL Network for ESPN. It's been uh, a while. Pardon the interruption, just went past, what, 25 years on the air? Yeah. And I, I don't recall those two going at Schefter. Uh, when I say going out, like even calling out a report and, and trying to say, like, they're not buying it. I was or there. questioning the, the, the motive. I was there for almost, a, uh, I was there for nine years. I've been gone for three or four years. Schefter was there well before me. So he's been there for a lot more than a decade. Coming up, primary complaint. We're going to go, we went long this segment. We'll go long with primary complaint. We'll take our time. We'll go long. We'll take our time to air our grievances. We'll do whatever we want. That's what we'll do. We'll do whatever uh, we want. We'll do it live. Outkick 360 presented by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness, if, if there's something pre preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating and under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there is a broad range of expertise available. Yeah, service available for clients worldwide. So if something's not available in your area, it's available with BetterHelp. You can log into your account anytime. Send a message to your counselor. BetterHelp is committed to facil facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. And, Paul, there's a great offer with this as well. Yeah, special offer for OutKick 360 listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash 360. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. In fact, so many people have started to use BetterHelp. They are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. BetterHelp.com slash 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you. If you have yet to check out the Outkick 360 YouTube page, we hope you do and you subscribe by subscribing and hitting that bell, ringing that bell for alerts. You know every time we go live, noon Eastern across the Outkick Network, and anytime we post new content. And by subscribing, 
you automatically are entered to win a Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. It's all courtesy of Sony and Hertz Audison. The car stereo system, over a $2,500 value. It's going to one of our subscribers to the Outkick 360 channel. We will be drawing a winner next month. Can't complain about that prize, but we will complain every week with primary complaint. My primary complaint this week, Urban Meyer likes to complain, and that's fine. So do we. But when you complain about every little detail about your new NFL job, it's, it's growing old and fast. Uh, he's a whiner who, who voices his issues about a process that doesn't make sense, like not being able to truly meet players that you're actively trying to sign in free agency before them signing to your team. That's valid. But being frustrated about player contact and workout abilities in the offseason, Urban, that's just how it is, bro. Spend some time learning the player contact rules in practice before complaining about the lack of contact right now. You're already missing out on more practices next year for not following the rules in your OTAs. Worry about that first. That's my primary complaint. My primary complaint, an oldie but a goodie, keeps providing me fodder. Deion Sanders. Look, Deion Sanders is at SWAC Media Days yesterday, and his primary complaint is that Jackson State and the fellow schools in the conference do not get enough attention. Then he walks off stage because he's insulted that a questioner calls him Dion. And he claims that if Nick Saban is called Nick, you'll get cussed out on the spot, so don't do that to me. Chase Goodbread, who covers uh, Saban for six years, says he called Nick many times and Nick never did anything. Let's follow that up, Jacob, with a tweet from Media Days at the SEC today where Nick Saban, according to Brett McMurphy, was called Nick eight <laughs> times by reporters during his press conference, and he didn't cuss out one person. He sure as hell didn't leave the stage in a huff. Deion Sanders simply does not connect dots well. You want attention, but the attention you get is for walking off the dais because no one's calling you coach. Your players will call you coach. People who work at your school will call you coach. Reporters are going to call you Dion. Get used to it or get out of the business. My primary complaint is for this guy that we're going to show you right now, who tweeted us yesterday. So Paul and I had a very authentic and genuine heated exchange yesterday. And Chase <laughs> tweets us, and says, so unprofessional. There's a guy for everything now. There's anti-NBA guy. There's woke guy. There's anti-woke guy. There's all of this out there. I am so sick and tired of unprofessional guy. <laughs> when they're responding to entertainment by saying, you are unprofessional. This is so unprofessional. I don't go to a movie that is meant to entertain me and watch the product and think, that's very unprofessional of them. It may suck. You may hate it. You may hate me. You may hate Paul. I don't care. But if I'm going there, it's not unprofessional if they do something that I don't like on screen. If the actor's not showing up on time, that's unprofessional. If the actor is bitching out his assistant in front of everyone, that's unprofessional. Two people getting into a heated argument on an opinion sports show 
meant to entertain you is not unprofessional. Many of you love it. Some of you hate it. And that's fine. Every opinion we give on this show. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you are going to hate it. That's how it works. One thing it's not is unprofessional. So knock it the bleep off. That's my primary complaint. It would be professional if we set that up and it was planned, a planned argument, like well, every other that, show to out him, there. To him, that would be uh, more professional. <laughs> How is authentic unprofessional? I, I think there are other shows that have some of these people, Chad, picking up on, on your very good point. They have people trained that getting along and being all fake buddy-buddy is somehow professional broadcasting, professional radio, which is a real bad statement about audiences. Well, again, un unprofessional is not showing up ready to do the show. It's showing up late to a show. It's having guests on where you ask them terrible questions because you don't know who you're talking to. That's unprofessional. People have, have confused this unprofessional label for shows. You know, if I show up and call a game and I don't know one person's name and it's clear that I did no homework, well, that's unprofessional of me. If I go into a situation where I'm, interviewing someone at a game and I do or say something unprofessional to them, that's unprofessional. When it's people on an opinion show arguing with each other, regardless if you like the argument, if you like to see people arguing, whatever, that doesn't matter. It's not unprofessional. And this is, I get this, I would only complain about Chase. It's a misuse Because of Chase is an example of something I see all the time. Oh, this is, oh my gosh, people disagree. This is so unprofessional. It's not unprofessional. You just don't like it. And we've made it clear time and time again. We're three close friends who periodically have uh, uh, heated disagreements. And guess what Chad and I did? Uh, we had breakfast together this morning. <laughs> Look, I'm still legitimately pissed at Paul. Yeah. And I'll get into it at some point. I'm not, I'm not over what yet. he said in the debrief yesterday. And I understand why. I don't want to get into it now because we have other primary complaints to get to. But it's legitimate is the point. Yes. Regardless, we'll go on we have and lied. keep doing this show. But my anger is legitimate at Paul. Just like I'm sure in the argument, his anger was legitimate at me. And there's nothing unprofessional about it. This is what we do on this show. We show up prepared. We show up ready to entertain. We're not going to entertain everyone. Again, you're going to love it. You're going to hate it. You're going to be somewhere in the middle. Not unprofessional, though. That's, let's remove that from, from the vocabulary. And we can also be friends and work colleagues with this on the side in it. It's like human interaction. It's normal. It's, it's not scripted, and you can find the scripted content elsewhere. Uh, also, unscripted was the Dion Presser. If you go back and watch it, Chad played it this morning off air for so us. So bad. Um, the, the reporter on the other end of the Zoom call, it, 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 it wasn't verbatim, but it, it made me feel like the Jim Rome, Jim, Chris Everett moment where he said, call me Chris one more time, and he, okay, Chris. He was looking for it. And, and he did. And at the end, he goes, it's, it's Coach Sanders. And multiple times throughout the back and forth, um, he said, when, when Dion said we called, you would call Coach Saban, Coach Saban, not Nick. He goes, I've called, I've called him Nick multiple times, Dion. He says, it's not Dion, it's, it's, it's Coach Sanders. He goes, okay, Dion. And then that's when he got up and stormed out. I mean, he, he doubled down. And I would not put it past the SEC media in Hoover who saw this to make it a point to address Nick Saban as Nick today in his press conference. So props to them for that, too. Yeah. And, for and proving a point. Well, the back, it wasn't a lot of back and forth. The guy started his question with, hey, Dion. Right. And he launches into a lecture 
Oh, come on now. It's Coach Sanders. And he at first he was Nick smiling. And the, guy, and the reporter jumped in and said, no, I've called Nick Saban Nick. Right. That was the one bit of back and forth. And then he gives this lecture. And he says, so please, it's Coach Sanders. And the reporter just said, okay, Dion," and laughs as he says it. And then that's when Dion just stands up and leaves. There, there's point. this idea. He's that also doubling down today. I don't know if you've seen his statement. I haven't seen this thing about how we have to demand to be respected in this life, in this country, and you know sometimes people are going to disrespect you. He's he's doubling down. Deion Sanders did not go to divinity school. He did not earn a doctorate. He is not. He did not go to medical school. He's very confused about what it takes to be a coach, which is his, in his circumstance was nothing. He he played. I mean, he hasn't well, gone through I, the no, coaching look, I, ranks and worked his way up to be a coach. He's not Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Belichick or Nick Saban could make this argument, perhaps. I, I wouldn't buy it there either. But if, if you're a do medical doctor who's done a ton of medical school, I can understand. Well, and even your doctor doesn't say, call me doctor. I could go to my I, doctor and call him by yeah, his first name. I, I, don't call, I don't call coaches by their first name in interviews. I, I call them coach, typically. But I also don't think it's a big deal if someone calls them by their first name. And also, Deion Sanders is such a celebrity for being Deion Sanders that it's just totally different. Well, that's, that's he is the known point. as Deion or Primetime. Prime if he was a lifelong coach, I could understand him not reacting that way and walking out of the interview or lecturing the guy on it, but irking you a bit. You know, if, if Nick Saban goes on an interview with some kid and he keeps saying, well, Nick, what do you think about, you know, Nick, this, that would bother me if I were Nick Saban. I wouldn't say anything about it, but it would still irk me a little bit. Uh, and that's maybe a little old school of me, but I don't have a problem, per se, when media members call coaches but by the first But the context name. is bad. He's complaining about them getting no attention. Then he's given an opportunity to get the league some attention by answering a question. Instead, he makes the question about the honorific, and he leaves. Well... He also gave that league and his team a even more attention by doing that. But not, no, it's for, not, the good thing, not for the but things he's claiming he wants the attention. Yeah. But he's also, Chad's right. Like the, the, the personality and the name matches how you refer to that person. So Dion, when you see him, it's either Prime or it's Dion. That's how people refer to him. It would be like LeBron coaching a team. He would, be, he would go by LeBron. Peyton Manning would not be coach. People would refer to him as Peyton because that, that's what he's been. Brady would be Brady. Uh, there, there's a Charles Barkley would be Char, would be Barkley or Chuck if he was a, a coach. That's just how we have always referred to that person. You brand yourself for a lifetime, and all of a sudden you want something different. Yeah. So it, it, that if you want to be something different, that's not the way to go about it. Um, I, if someone called him Prime, would, would he have an issue with that in this in the Zoom call? I guess he would. I, I it just did not match up for, for the moment and. It's not the way to go about getting attention because it's when you see him, you don't think of Coach Sanders, you think of Dion. Um, Dion, who's coaching. That's that's what I think of. The kids should call him Coach. His colleagues yeah, at, he's at coach. the university right. should yeah. call right. him Coach. Right. Well, and he should be thankful that he successfully branded himself instead of getting mad. Yeah, it's a win. You're Dion to everyone. You're a world famous personality. Uh, we we have a buddy, uh, Mike, Michael. Uh, who we go by and call Lebowski, and he called in with his primary complaint today, Lebowski. All right, audio's not playing, so we'll wait on that in just a moment. 
Uh, and we can break and come back with primary complaint if we need to to finish this off. Jacob's saying he's got it. Let's, oh, here is Lebowski. It. Lebowski here. And I've got a problem with people over-romanticizing the accomplishments of Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos here in the last couple of weeks of them going, quote-unquote, to space. So let me break this down for you, okay? The Soviets fired dogs into orbit in the 50s. The United States went to the moon six times, six times. We have put multiple vehicles on Mars, Venus, and have launched probes that have now left the solar system with the Voyager program. The Hubble telescope is getting ready to die, so they've built an even larger telescope that NASA is going to park behind the moon. This is going to space, okay? What Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos did is, is incredible, and it's very neat to see commercial space programs achieve this on their own dime but comparing it to elon musk and spacex sending actual capsules with astronauts to the space station that's more impressive to me you can't say you went to space if all you did was go straight up in a phallic looking rocket touch the edge of space and come back down. That's like saying that your child is an Olympic diver because you overhand threw your toddler into the deep end. <laughs> That's my problem with it. Stop calling these guys astronauts. They got a lot more work to do. Thank you, Lebowski. Lebowski here. And I've got a problem Excellent. with people over... Let's hear it again. Yeah. It was so good we'll hear it twice. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And also Lebowski's voice is great, so you can't get enough of that. Um, that was a, a great complaint and gave me a lot to think about. I'll be honest, guys. I don't even know what I think about the Bezos story. Like, I, if it becomes something bigger, I'm way into it and what they're trying to do. But I just really have, for the first time in a long time, just no reaction. That was an influential opinion for me. No, based on the definition, they went to space. They went to space. Right. But it's not as, you know, considering what we're doing in space, like he said, no, they did, yeah, they nearly... Did. Crossing the line into space they is spent, not that big a deal. They spent 11 minutes in space. Right. I mean, but they, they were there. So did a dog in the 1950s. Earmuffs for kids out there, but they played just the tip with space, basically. That's what happened. There's still a line from Wedding Crashers. I mean, that's, that's what they did in this first. Yeah. But again, and Hutton said it, they're going to grow on this, no pun intended, and move it into other areas, right? Mm -hmm. it's, they're going to go to different places. They're going to go to the moon eventually. And do, that's the idea, at least. So you're saying that he dipped the tip of his rocket in his, space? Well, the, space. the 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 funny shape that that the ship. phallic yeah, shape. I prefer uh, the first that, rocket to the second rocket. It yeah. reminded me of the ambiguously gay duo from <laughs> SNL back yeah. in the day. That's what his ship looked like. This isn't that ambiguous. Uh, the rocket I, was. I actually well, I heard it, I the rocket was fueled valid. by my Dr. Hank. <laughs> <laughs> fueled by my Dr. Hank. And um, I saw someone on, uh, I think it was Barstool Big Cat, in fact, that tweeted a picture of the rocket launching and said, <laughs> Jeff Bezos isn't compensating for anything, we promise. But this is right out of Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quick trip. Great I, film. I, I consider it going to space uh, based on how they define it and the mileage that he oh, went. Oh, it's going to space. Uh, but it, no, it's not at the same level as Elon Musk uh, docking with, uh, with the International Space Station. <laughs> Thank you, Lance and Jacob, for that. Um, There's just so much innuendo right now in this whole segment. <laughs> We're going to have to go back. When we when we play this back in Knoxville tonight, it's going to sound completely different. Um, it's going to be us talking about the U.S. women's national team losing. You can, email, the whole segment. you can email in your primary complaint. We have a couple of these, 360 at outkick.com. 
Uh, our first one today, Jacob, we have Robert. Primary complaint, people who drive in the right lane of the interstate at on-ramps, especially when there are open lanes to the left. Does this not get taught at driver's ed anymore? When you approach an exit on the highway and you are not exiting, get over so people trying to get onto the interstate can easily and safely maneuver into the outside lane. Learn how to speed up when merging into traffic. Little known fact, uh, unless you were with us from the very beginning, before Don't Show Block trivia. the Box became the sign-off, I used to say, uh, and you guys will love this, the merge lane is for gathering speed. That, that is something I used. Those guys a, did not love that. <laughs> as, as a show sign-off. That's why we kept, we kept yeah. working on it. But I think it is an also an important, yeah, we were workshopping, but it's an important message that people don't know. <laughs> You don't just get into the merge lane and proceed at the 30 miles an hour you're going. You're supposed to accelerate from that 30 up to the 60 or so that you need in order to be a member of the highway. Uh, final email today for primary complaint, 360 at outkick.com, sending this in from Zach. My primary complaint, the Houston Astros, they serve virtually no punishment for cheating, the integrity of the game of baseball. I'm sitting there watching player intros. He's talking about the, the All-Star game. And before the game, keeping an eye out for certain players I like. No Astros announced. WTF. So I look up why they're not there. They all opted out. Didn't even show up for the game. None of them are on the IL or even hurt. Just another systematic move by the organization. That's my primary complaint. They did all opt out. I didn't know that. They did. Uh, Altuve was one of them. Correa was another. They opted out of playing in the All-Star game uh, instead of Facing some heat. Correa caught a cold after uh, taking his jersey off against yeah. the, the game before that. Now, they can claim soreness or oh. whatever they want. Uh, they were voted in. Uh, they should have been there. They chose not to be. Other players also opted out, and some pitchers didn't throw because they were going to pitch whenever they returned to their city uh, in a couple of days. They're on the rotation schedule. But at least they showed up in Colorado. The Astros did not. I don't like the Astros. Do you just avoid the confrontation with other players and just stay in your own clubhouse until you retire? Apparently Do you not go to another team? I don't know. At some point or you just you're going to be accepted by another team so it's not a problem but your other competitors it's an issue. Do you just opt out of every all-star game? You're voted into until your retirement at this point? I mean, they've, between their shielding from the league and their ability to hide, apparently, I mean, they've done a, 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 a just a phenomenal job of avoiding wrath outside of from fans, you know, who are behind barriers. But it's the story's old enough now where I feel like they're going to have they're going to face people at some well, point. There was no All-Star game what's last the, what's year. What's the what's the statute of limitations? Uh, that's that's a weird story. Coming up, uh, the story from Hoover. We've got the Tennessee Power Hour straight ahead SEC Media Days news. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.